If you travel north from New York City, along the east bank of the Hudson River, you will, before long, come to Hyde Park House, Franklin Roosevelt's country home, preserved more or less as he left it on his death in 1945. Among the exhibits displayed in a glass case in his presidential library is an eight-foot-tall papier-mâché sculpture of a sphinx, the mythical Egyptian creature with a lion's body, the wings of a bird, and a human head whose cryptic smile defied translation bears Roosevelt's face, complete with pince-nez spectacles, a nod to his fifth cousin Theodore, the Republican president, his trademark cigarette holder and smoldering cigarette, and his narrowed, smiling eyes above a broad grin. The statue was commissioned as a joke by the Gridiron Club's White House correspondents as a satirical centerpiece for their annual dinner in December 1939, attended by the President as principal honored guest. The purpose of portraying Roosevelt as a sphinx was to let it be known to the President that the press were flummoxed by his persistent reluctance to make clear whether he would run for re-election in the contest of November 1940. Roosevelt's ambiguity on the subject had become almost as much a story as whether he would run. Roosevelt so enjoyed the Sphinx joke that he immediately acquired the sculpture and had it shipped to Hyde Park to adorn the nascent library that would mark his presidency. For years, the president had dodged and weaved on the question of whether he would run. He had told some friends he was ready to retire to become a gentleman farmer at Hyde Park, to muddy the waters— He had encouraged many unsuitable and unelectable Democrats to throw their hats in the ring to succeed him. He had told others that he had simply not made up his mind. No one, not even his wife, Eleanor, nor his mother, Sarah, knew which way he would jump. The Sphinx in the White House was unfathomable, and the longer he wavered, the less chance there was that any rival could raise the funds to challenge him. Roosevelt's sphinx-like inscrutability was typical of him. Throughout his life, he had adopted a studied ambiguity about almost every aspect of his life, both political and personal. Born into wealth and living in a grand house surrounded by a large country estate, he was in most respects a conventional New York aristocrat. He was educated at Groton School, the Episcopalian boarding school for the sons of the well-to-do considered the most exclusive school in the whole of the United States, then Harvard University, making him a standard product of America's white Anglo-Saxon Protestant governing elite. He was an athletic man of action, his boundless energy and personal confidence underpinned by an annual trust fund income of $120,000, $1.6 million in 2014 terms, lifted him above the less driven blue bloods with whom he shared his privileged background. Yet his political views were far from usual for a young man of his elevated social status. While his dashing, distant, older relation Theodore had been a Republican president, albeit of a progressive sort, and had encouraged his young protege to enter politics, Franklin followed his father into the Democratic Party— His early steps on the political ladder in New York meant having to overcome the natural conservatism and innate republicanism of the country people in Dutchess County and persuade them that, despite his democratic leanings, he would look after them as any good patrician would. He smothered the traditional upstate voter's suspicion of his upper-class manners and upper-class demeanor 
by exercising the quality that would eventually lead him to inhabit the White House, an effortless and irresistible personal charm. In addition, he was physically attractive and approached those less fortunate than himself with an easy, agreeable manner. His biographer Conrad Black described Roosevelt at this time as slender, clean-shaven, mellifluous, and prone to make his points with a debonair wave of his cigarette holder.